Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. From extreme sex to vanilla sex, what does experimentation look like for you in your life? Vanilla sex here means sex that isn't kinky in any way, usually referring to penis and vagina missionary heterosexual sex. We talk about our departures from vanilla sex, our first BDSM scenes, extreme experiences, and then settling back into what feels more like home for us, what sort of that comfortable level of intensity that we still feel really fed by. I hope you enjoy this session. If you're interested, we can make a second attempt at sexual experimentation as like a here's the positive kind of sexual experimentation when I finally started being like, everyone else can go fuck themselves. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know how much exactly of that I have to talk about just because I've been fairly tame. That's okay. Um, you can, <laughs> we can, so what I would, what I would caution you about is don't mm-hmm. sell yourself short. Sometimes the tamest, the tamest sex stuff, so long Mm -hmm. as it's nuanced and honest, I think can go a long way. Yeah. I think folks that pursue intensity as I have, and it sounds like you have at least in the past, Mm -hmm. tend to lean into that intensity and then anything not as intense doesn't seem as worthwhile. But like the value doesn't come from the intensity, even though we both probably assign a lot of value to the feeling of intensity. Mm -hmm. I would say the value comes from the authenticity and the open, honest communication. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's very true and a really nice way to put it. Yeah. So like literally if someone's talking about, say, they really like something small, like being touched just being touched it's like you can come at that from a kinky point of view or you know like an extreme sex point of view where you're like well i've had super extreme sex that has you know been x amount of insertion or like x amount of sex acts Mm -hmm. all happening at the same time and like i think we may have broken you know like a world record at one point um (laughs) right yeah and and we've probably both had sex like that (laughs) yeah um and that doesn't mean it's the moment that's most interesting to us no, that's very true. So, like, it might be more interesting for people to listen to to be like, wow, you've done, like, that thing? Um, and it's like, yeah, I did. It was okay. <laughs> it wasn't the most pleasurable thing I've done. I, yeah. It's crossed. <laughs> it's not just crossed off my bucket list. Like, it has been, yeah. like, unsanitarily cleansed from my bucket list, like, with splatters of yeah. various fluids. <laughs> so like it is at this point it's dripping into the bucket um it's not even on the list yeah but like people might find that people might find that really interesting to hear about in like a voyeuristic but like i also don't want you to feel when we're recording sessions 
um, I might actually leave this in. This is decent content. <laughs> um, but I don't want you to feel like it's a petting zoo where people are kind of coming to yeah. see the proverbial freak. Cause I've definitely felt that way mm -hmm. when talking about sex stuff for me personally. And like, there's, yeah. there's value in normalizing extreme sex for people for whom that's healthy or right for them. Yeah. The, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally down to talk about that and I'll kind of let you lead it a little sure, bit more. Sure. There's also yeah. value in, talking about like discovering something incredibly banal because like whether it's like just finger banging or like yeah. just head the first time it was actually enjoyable you know like those mm -hmm. conversations i think can be just as interesting and just as impactful on people um and keep in mind that while you know you've had a lot of intense experiences that maybe other people have shied mm -hmm. away from for whatever reasons yeah it doesn't mean they're not still struggling with similar issues. It's like yeah. the issues might look really different on the surface, but when people are talking about like, I've never enjoyed receiving head, you know, that doesn't have to come from a shit ton of sexual trauma. It certainly can. Um, but maybe yeah. that person's just never felt comfortable with their body. And like, there are parallels there that can be really valuable to folks listening yeah, no, that's very true. So I guess for me, I would just say, like, don't sell yourself short. Sometimes discovering you're really vanilla is an interesting story. Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting for me to watch <laughs> the transformation. Totally. For sure. And I so. think it's an interesting transformation. And if you're if you're open to talking about it, I would love to talk more about, yeah. like, the vanilla things that just rock your world now. And, like, the kinky things that are like, eh. I, you know, I'm still like a, a would, you know, yeah. like I, I would do that for a partner I loved and felt close to, but it wouldn't really do much for me versus like, yeah. you know, like sure. I wouldn't do these things again because eh, mm -hmm. I did them once in the bucket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Let's do it. Cool. So welcome everyone to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with my friend Lauren, a recovering alcoholic and sex addict who is talking today about self-discovery in terms of sexual pleasure and finding what things are actually meaningful and connective and intimate and authentic and fun and sexy and playful and all the other full one thing, all the other wonderful things um, mm -hmm. that many of us associate with quote unquote sex. Um, but that word can mean a billion different things to a billion different people and I'm super interested to talk about self-discovery. Hi, Lauren. Hello. So, um, do you, are you up for doing the petting zoo style craziest stuff or do you want to stick to, cause like we may not always be proud of the petting zoo stuff, but like, yeah. I'm still proud of the petting zoo stuff. Yeah. I, I do have that sense of like, I did that. And that was the like, thing I did. Yeah. <laughs> that was the thing I did in front of other people. Like totally. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. I think some of it definitely I'd, I'd be fine to share. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, because there's a, you know, I'm, I'm actually not the most, like I, I have a lot of self like, insecurities, right. Sure. And I always kind of have. But I think a lot of the things for me that stand out as like, uh, you really did that shit, Lauren, <laughs> were like, I was kind of proud of it. 
um, after the fact because it really like it pushed my boundaries in kind of a good way. Cool. Some of it because it kind of was like, you know, I had body insecurities and then Mm -hmm. afterwards less like, like in, uh, in this example, I, uh, was with a person, um, a dom. Okay. Who I'd been seeing for a while, and we did like a public scene. Okay. And uh, that's not not something I had ever done. I'd always kept it private. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, I'd gone to a few parties and that kind of thing, smaller kind of gatherings, mm-hmm. but never like just a huge room with like a lot of people in there. Yep. Um, and I was so nervous about it, and you know, afterwards him telling me that you know people he knew had come up and said that it was really beautiful and then i was beautiful i was like holy fuck like people weren't staring at my back roll right (laughs) you know so it was really gratifying to me for that um and yeah and and like i'm proud of myself for that but i wouldn't do it again interesting public stuff and like really big group stuff again because it did nothing for me Got in it. the sense that I'm, I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to do that again. Um, yeah, I I pushed my boundaries for sure. I um, when I was with somebody that I trusted, and I was in like a sane state of mind. Um, but yeah, the things that like I guess I'd fantasize. It's funny how like you'll fantasize about things, yeah, and then they'll actually be happening. When it's happening in your moment, you're like, eh. yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like the same things that I would masturbate to, I've I've done a lot of now, and they were hot. But like, would yeah. I do it again? I guess. But like, there's also yeah. a lot of logistics in some of them. <laughs> oh God, like, the logistics are the worst. It, it's like people don't recognize how much work um, group sex is to organize. Like all of right. the sex stuff aside, if you just want to meet in a time where you and even just two other friends. Um, are just not super stressed that day. You're all healthy. You're all in like a good place. Cause like if someone's got the flu, it's not a good idea to be having group sex. It's not even a, like, it's, it's not, people aren't afraid of chlamydia and gonorrhea the same way sometimes that they're afraid (laughs) of the flu. Um, and it's, and and again, like everyone's getting tested for STIs anyways, depending on Mm -hmm. the crowds you're in. Right. Cause with some people, that's not the case. And you should always check in about your risk profile, what feels right for your body. And, you know, but Mm -hmm. if everyone's got negative test results, those things aren't even concerns. And then someone Mm -hmm. will get a cold and you'll be like, do I want to have really hot sex with two people who find me hot and probably get a cold or wait another four days. <laughs> well, before COVID, I probably wouldn't have cared that much. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Not that I, I would engage in group sex at this point in my life, sure. being in a monogamous relationship. But, you know, if that was the case after COVID, I'd probably be like full body condoms. <laughs> um. <laughs> full body condoms that's <laughs> like we just have to have like a plexiglass screen in between everybody right right and just press your junk, oh press like your junk up again got it. it so not even glory holes in plexiglass <laughs> but like we'll just we'll just do like latex wrapped beds and stuff yeah, there you go. That's wow. There are you can get there. disposable latex panties that have mm-hmm. the stretchability to actually do insertion through the panties. That doesn't I mean that's cool. 
if you're into that it doesn't sound like something that would be it's just closer to that full body full body condom that you were going for um, because people true, do yeah. wear full body latex and you can get full body latex yeah and you can get latex in the crotch that is essentially insertable that's i mean that's interesting that's in you know ingenuity at its finest because <laughs> i was like full body condoms i'm like i think they have those <laughs> <laughs> perfect covid approved um <laughs> Yeah, and and I I definitely found out you know through trial and error there were things that I liked things I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me I was really not all about the bells and whistles. Okay. Um, so I mean, a flogger is great and rope is nice. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I definitely like rope, but I was never a rope bunny. Yep. Um, and I found <laughs> I found it you know how. <sighs> It's like when you're in the middle of the sea, you you go into the room and then you know you're two people in the room and mm-hmm. and you know what's going to go on in the room and it's going on mm-hmm. but sometimes i just get these like these moments where i kind of just wanted to burst out laughing because it's like 45 minutes and the dude's still working on all the ropes yep you know and it's like just these little moments of ridiculousness yep. where it's like wow this guy takes this so seriously like yeah <laughs> you know yeah because and that and that's it's great for him the, it's the ritual it's it's the, right? the meditative yeah. flow state that people get into it's the pride in the craft it's mm-hmm. the it is almost ritualistic that following through of this very tactile just like and again mm-hmm. i have rigged for many years but i wouldn't call myself mm-hmm. a rope first person mm-hmm. it's a yeah. it's a skill i have um, it's a thing I will do. I don't do suspensions anymore because I don't keep my skills up well enough to consistently do safe suspensions anymore. If it's been a year since you've mm-hmm. done a suspension, like I think that's a time you really need to think about like how up to date are my skills. And I know they're like the last skills to go. But for me personally, if I haven't like been to a suspension workshop, practice suspension, I'm not ready, you know? And yeah. It's been long enough where I just haven't done rope that I'm like, wow, that was a skill set I used to have. And now I'm totally comfortable only doing floor work and semi suspensions. And it's like, mm-hmm. eh, do I miss doing suspensions? Yeah. No, honestly, not really. There's very little in a suspension that you can't accomplish through a very small amount of creativity on the floor with a semi suspension. And it's way less risky, way less risk of nerve damage, just like way safer. So from my perspective Mm -hmm. with rigging, I'm like, for people who like suspension, there are people for whom that is like their central thing. Good on you. Do your learning. Follow follow best practices when it comes to safety. Enjoy your life, right? Like who the fuck am I to judge you, right? But for for me personally, like I don't think I really have much interest in continuing to do suspensions like and I haven't for years. So I, mm-hmm. I totally empathize with the ridiculousness as well. Not so much with like being like, wow, I can't believe that person's taking so long. But, but even just with, <laughs> you have to embrace it. Like there is a significant amount of ridiculousness in human behavior. And like the fact, exactly. yes, like the fact that we. That was what I was getting at. Yeah, that yeah. we go to these dungeons and we go to so much effort to. Yeah to try and create art for each other. Like these mm-hmm. experiences that really are like hopefully mind blowing, but you know, most mm-hmm. of the time they're not. <laughs> like, yeah, you swing, right? you swing it a lot before you actually like get that home run. But when you do get that home run, you know, you end up changing someone's life, hopefully. And and I, it's funny because like a lot of my friends are all vanilla. And like when I was going through these experiences, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I was really in it 
And there was a time where I was just like really in everyone. It. Yeah, I feel like I think yes. they they didn't realize that there's such a thing as mediocre group sex. Totally. <laughs> there's such a thing as like, okay, you know, um, whatever you're doing. hundred percent. Maybe it's like, oh, you must just be fucking squirting and coming all over the place and just screaming. And it's like, yeah, I was, yeah, it was okay. Totally. A hundred percent. I've definitely had so, mediocre group sex and I've had group sex yeah. that was so mediocre. I didn't come from it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my God. It happens. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, it was always one-on-one um, okay. or two-on-one yep. that was the best for me um two-on-one's and, the best like it doesn't even matter yeah. if i'm one of the two i just like there's something about two-on-one for me that feels very communal mm-hmm. and i don't know why i like that but i like that like i like the idea that like say if it's um if we're talking heterosexual because i i definitely have queer sex as well but if we're talking about heterosexual and it's mm-hmm. two men with one woman kind of thing just the fact that i've got a partner yeah who is there to back back me up and me him is like yeah mm-hmm. we're here to focus on this other person or each other because like i said queer stuff is fun um, yeah. but just just the notion mm-hmm. like so many guys i talk to like het guys are like oh you know i would be so um emasculated or i would be so insecure mm-hmm. worried that this other person would be better and i'm like no, like yeah. this person probably that. just wants to get off and live her fantasy. And like, you get to be mm-hmm. part of that fantasy. And hopefully at the end of that fantasy, when, you know, someone asks her, how was your group sex? She won't be like, eh, it was okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, that's the, like emasculated. Totally. I'm like, there were two yeah. of you um, and you, and yeah. you still got like a meh. It was okay. <laughs> when you were both I'm like, Two on one, you got to hopefully deliver better results yeah. than that. But again, it's so yeah. much of sexual enjoyment is a personal subjective experience. It's not reliant yeah. on your partners, in my opinion, to a large extent, to some extent. Yeah. Sometimes it is. <laughs> yeah. And and for me, like I was saying, you know, it'd be like all of this ritual and the rope uh, and, and other things mm-hmm. too. And, and one guy who was really into leather and all the spreaders and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And it, like I re- I enjoyed that they enjoyed it so much totally you know but it 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 wouldn't put me in that space of being able to get out of my head you know um and and I would have those moments and those thoughts where I'd be like oh fuck like my foot's really fucking asleep and I can't fucking focus on anything else but okay yeah and now you're gonna okay and there go the nipple clamps and yeah that feels okay but my fucking foot man because it's been four or five minutes on one foot yeah um, like and a lot of that it's like trying. Sorry, I was just going to say, it's like trying to meditate when you're just not in a meditative space. You're like, my fucking nose itches, but I'm trying to meditate and I can't, I can't scratch it. I'm going to scratch it. Fuck, I'm not meditating right now. No, that is those kinds of feelings, right? hundred percent. And that is like a common experience. Like one that people describe BDSM like meditation, which confuses the fuck out of anyone who hasn't done BDSM. Mm-hmm. Um, but like yeah. they've shown in study, in like studies that people who are BDSM practitioners demonstrate greater mm-hmm. mindfulness than people who don't yeah. and it completely makes sense for folks who have done it because when you are yeah. in that space it is very hard to be thinking about bills due next tuesday like you are so mm-hmm. immediately activated and your body is like i need you here present with me and mm-hmm. so much of bdsm is that is not dissociating is going with it is being present is being in your body and as you start drifting away you know like a flogger strike or 
you know, a, a good top that can just read you well. Oh my God. When they can, yeah. when they can read that you're slowly starting to drift away from the scene and they can just grab, grab your harness and just shake mm-hmm. you a little and pull you back to yourself. Like that kind of guidance and stewardship is why I think people stay in the community. Some, some people. Yeah. Again, I can yeah. only speak from and, my own experience. <laughs> no. And like, and for me too, it's, it's having a bit of an emotional connection with the person who's who's like the top where I've had the best experiences for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I can't really let go as well with strangers. Um, yep. And for me, the, the point where I'm able to drift and get a little bit high like that. And, and like you said, like just in that space mm-hmm. uh, has always been skin sensation for me. Ooh, um, skin sensations the best. Yeah. And it, it's funny it kind of ties into the fact that I've just realized that I'm neurodivergent. Right. Skin sensation and emotion are extremely linked for me. Like I can have um, hours of skin sensation listening to a certain frequency um, or voice mm-hmm. or pitch. It's called uh, like frisson, I think. Um, oh, like, interesting. So like if you yeah. are listening to a certain tone or like voice you get cham- skin like, sensations yes huge like chamber music like choirs certain women uh, female vocalists when they hit certain uh, pitches certain frequencies that's fair um i get like these in, in really intense ripples of uh, sensation throughout my entire body mm-hmm. um and uh, i didn't know that that wasn't normal i didn't know that not everyone experiences that um, have you looked, and, have you looked into, um, oh, what's it called? It's where you listen to sound effects and you try and experience brain gasms. What's that called? Oh, this is going to bug me. Cause I have a feeling if you haven't already discovered this, this will blow your mind. Uh, yeah. You're going to have to definitely send me a link, bro. <laughs> Cause that sounds, that sounds amazing. ASMR. I would like to have a brain orgasm. Oh yeah, ASMR. absolutely. Yes. 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 ASMR. Uh, every night on YouTube while I go to sleep. Amazing. And does it put you to um, sleep? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So weird, the weirdest shit puts me to sleep. This girl will whisper her dreams to me oh. for an hour and I'm, I'm out. There is something um, about like a whisper in my ear. It doesn't have to be a woman, yeah. but just like a human being whispering happily in my ear is just like fucking yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's like the best feeling ever. Um, so I think... Uh, before I really kind of, and, and now, uh, especially being sober and being so much more inside of my body and connected to my body and what makes mm-hmm. my body feel different things. Um, like it makes so much more sense to me how reactive uh, I've always been to skin sensation mm-hmm. and like, um, just the softest touch on the back of my neck will just like, I'm just, I'm, I'm fucking jello. Um, uh, so I really didn't need all the bells and whistles, mm-hmm. right? I didn't, I didn't need all the bondage stuff to kind of, you know, it just kind of depended on, on the person, I guess, that I was with. Sure. Um, and also, uh, pain. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I definitely went like recognized that I responded pretty well to pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have some pathways between pain and pleasure that are a little bit more closely linked. Yep. Um, so that was definitely something that was always kind of um, present um, and enjoyable for me. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, different kinds, though. It's honestly, every masochist I hear talk about pain, it's the same thing. It's like, yes, and they're a masochist for certain kinds of pain. You know, like, yeah, it's like you said, with your foot falling asleep, like the Mm -hmm. goal with creating an amazing experience for someone is to try. Sure. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Lauren. (laughs) Thanks. And focus on the the art you're making with them. Yeah, like I have chronic back pain and I'm not getting off all day, right? Right. Like, <laughs> fuck back pain. Um, yep. uh, it, it was, it's really like um, skin kind of sensation play. Um, yeah, massages even. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, and, and experimenting with that was always my favorite. Um, and that's definitely something that I continue to enjoy so. weird question um have you ever been yeah. rimmed before i have are you a fan yes yes awesome um <laughs> yeah no i totally get that a lot of the time people who really enjoy skin contact um really mm-hmm. enjoy skin contact in different ways that like a lot of mainstream folks won't think about but as you'd mentioned you're mm-hmm. not a mainstream person in a lot of ways even though you're coming back to a more vanilla place by your own definition of vanilla a lot of vanilla people if you said i really enjoy rimming um (laughs) wouldn't call that vanilla but (laughs) i I don't think there's there's ever going to be a point where i am a vanilla person through and through um but i like we were kind of talking about before you started recording like i have had really extreme experiences right um and I, I don't continue to have those. Like I've had them. Yeah. And for me, like that's kind of like, that's good. <laughs> I don't need to go back to those extreme experiences. I don't need to have extreme sex sure. anymore in my life. Like that's something that I'm glad happened for the most part, uh, most of it. But um, now it's really just about, and like for me, self-pleasure is huge. Yes. And um, that has been something that has, like I've really reacquainted myself with. Mm-hmm. And then, and yeah, just, just in a, in a, in a partnership with somebody and kind of learning what we like. Um, so, you know, obviously in comparison, my life today is much more vanilla. I'm not going to these kinds of parties and these places and I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not compulsively buying corsets anymore, but, um, (laughs) you know, sex toys are a huge thing, always going to be fun. And I love sex toy shopping. It's like I get way more excited about sex toy shopping than anything else. I feel so weird about um, how much I like sex toy shopping sometimes because I'm like these toys. Weird about it too. I'm like these toys aren't even for me. Like I'm buying these toys to use on individuals because like the joy of getting someone off or of exposing them to a brand new experience. Like if you went up to most people and you were like, hey. Okay, that would sound very much like prostitution. I was going to say, hey, you know, if you just spent $300, um, you could have a unique sexual experience that would change how you thought about sex. I'm like, wait, that just sounds like an intellectualizing of like, you know, hey, hey, boys, you got 300 bucks, <laughs> which is like not what I was originally intending to communicate. No, I, I, I know. <laughs> But like buying sex toys can be expensive and it can be cheap. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't need to spend for some crazy brand name, $300, you know, oh, no. marked up silicon piece of crap. You can just like no. get something that is effectively the same thing that is like 70 bucks or 80 bucks. Yeah. And that's still like these are expensive sex toys you can get really cheap sex toys really cheap if you Mm -hmm. get them made out of jelly and you get them shipped from china on ebay but like i'm not recommending you do that um it's really just a question of like 
what things haven't you experienced? What things do you actually want to experience? And then like, how much would you pay for those experiences? And sex toys offer a lot of that. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah. And that's definitely like, sometimes I'm just like on Amazon and I'm like, like I wonder what kind of clips it like, you know, yep. Stimulators are on Amazon and I'm like, Oh, these are actually good brands. And um, yeah, totally. You know, I, surprisingly, I have had really good success using satisfiers on people. Yes, those are. Oh my god! This so like the first time. Go ahead. I I ever had a an, a satisfier used on me. Um, I think I came in about thirty seconds, and my hands were on fire. Like my hands and my feet were actually like on fire, and I didn't know what was happening. I thought I might be having a panic attack. Wow, because your body <laughs> yeah, was so was like, activated. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Some people complain like, about that. They say they come too quickly with a satisfier. Yeah, yeah. And and that's why I don't own one because I wouldn't get anything done ever. <laughs> um, I, like, seriously. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> wouldn't. You, honestly, so. like, you can always give one to your partner and be like, lock it up and only use it on me when. Uh, but yeah, yeah. There, there are, I haven't uh, I haven't had one of those in a while. So one of the cool things as well is with toys that I find get people off too hard too quickly, if they have variable settings like a satisfier does, you can always keep it just a little out of that window so that it will have a lesser effect over time. Um, yeah. And you can just be really mean and tease someone. Like edgings? Yeah, edging. A lot of fun. I love edging. Yeah. Yes, it is. And no one can edge me better than myself. Oh my God. Isn't, isn't that just the truth? Yeah. It's so the truth. I'm kind of like, well, I have nothing to do today for a few hours. Fuck <laughs> <Suck> it. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm definitely nowhere near, I, I guess it's kind of, you know, what, what do you even, when you call yourself kinky, right? you know, what what is what does that even mean? You know, I, I guess I'm just redefining that. I guess I am, I am kinky. I'm just not living the same kinky lifestyle that I used to live. Totally. Right. Yeah. So. And I'm happy this talk for has you. Actually, been pretty good for me to kind of try to figure that out. You know. Yeah. Awesome. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com slash intimatevictor. You can tweet me at intimatevictor. You can follow me on Instagram at intimatevictor. Pretty easy, right? If you can spare the cost of a cup of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash victorsalmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a good review anywhere online, especially iTunes. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords and played by an AI saxophonist. This closing music is Gymnopédie, number one by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time and may your most important relationships be filled with intimate interactions. Be well.